Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and I'm joined here today by everyone's favorite guest co-host, Stella. Stella, how are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm just super excited to be back. It's been a while. I know. We've been wanting to do this for so long, and I'm so glad that we're finally getting to it. You know, the little rain couldn't stop us, although it's like kind of a lot of rain. Yeah, it's wet out there today. At some point, I looked out the window, and I was like, is it hailing? Like, is that (laughs) hail? Like, those look like really big raindrops. Okay, so... I want to talk today about fertility, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been teasing this quite a bit, but you are my friend who is very into cycle tracking and fertility awareness and all those things. And I always like tease that you say that we should manually chart things and not use apps that automate things. And we'll get to all that. Um, Let's just start at the very beginning, like kind of more basic. Can we talk about like what fertility awareness is? Yes, definitely. And um, first, I just want to say I'm super excited to talk about this with you. It's something I'm very passionate about. I am not by any means an expert. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I am an enthusiast and I am a user of a fertility awareness method myself. And so that's kind of where I am coming to this conversation from. And I just want that to be really clear to listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so fertility awareness and the the fertility awareness method or group of methods is really, um, uh, it's, it's about body literacy. So learning to read, understand, and interpret the signs of fertility that you have in your body as, you know, a person with periods (laughs) with a uterus. Um, And it can be used both for birth control and for uh, conceiving. So there there are multiple uses for it. Um, And also for understanding your health more broadly speaking, because as many experts have described uh, fertility, right? This is, um, our cycles really are another vital sign, right? They show us if there are things that are not really working in our health, right? Things that we need to fine tune um, and so on and so forth. So basically, um, yeah, in my experience, so I've been using a fertility awareness-based method for birth control for six years now. Yeah, it's been, I think it's been six years since early 2017, right? That's six years. I can do math, right? (laughs) Um, uh, It's wild to me that 2017 was six years ago, but yes, you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? It's it's really nuts. Um, Were you on birth control before that? So I was only on hormonal birth control once for about three months. Uh, and basically at the end of those three months, I had a really terrible experience, which was either a really bad migraine with aura or mm. a very, very minor stroke. <laughs> mm. Like the symptoms lined up and could have been really either of those. And I had had a couple of migraines with aura um, for you know any listeners who have had these, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But basically, right, it's a really bad migraine where you have these neurological symptoms and it blurs out part of your vision mm-hmm. um, and, and worse even. So I had the, this one that I had after a few months on hormonal birth control, basically like not only was all of my peripheral peripheral vision blurred. I could only see what was like directly in front of me, but I could no longer read 
and I could no longer remember things that I knew by heart. Wow. <laughs> and it was extremely scary. And I didn't really realize until uh, a little bit afterwards what had happened. Um, I did I did some reading. I did some research on it. And I went to my doctor, to my gynecologist, and said, I think that it was either this or that. And they said, yeah, you probably shouldn't be taking hormonal birth control because if you have ever had a history of migraines, particularly migraines with aura, it plays places you at a much higher risk of stroke. Mm. And that is a risk that's built into hormonal birth mm-hmm. control to begin with. You just mm-hmm. have a, an even higher risk with it. And so I was like, this is not something that I'm willing to risk my overall health, well-being and life with. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, there must be another way. But now I didn't discover this other way of fertility awareness until many years after that. Mm. Um, and so like, like I'm sure many of us, um, for the majority of my life up to that point, you know, for my, my adolescence and my adult life, I basically believed that you could get pregnant at any moment in your cycle, right? right. Any day. Right. And I went to a public school in New York state that, uh, you know, had sex ed in school, but we were never taught about like what actually happens in a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. We're taught about periods. We got a period. Okay. That's kind of the, the reset of the cycle. And then the cycle happens, but whatever happens in that cycle, nobody knows, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least that was my kind of experience. And so, um, it w- yeah, it wasn't until years later. And I learned about fertility awareness that I discovered that, wow, it's really only a comparably small window within the month where we're actually fertile, can actually get pregnant. And so if you can learn the signs in your body, right, learn to read those signs, you can figure out where in your cycle you actually are fertile. And then, uh, of course, you can identify where you're not fertile, which means that you don't have to be on synthetic hormones, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have to use any kind of hormonal birth control. It's kind of wild to, I mean, I was on hormonal birth control for so many years and it's wild to think that I was like doing all that to my body for what, like the threat of being like potentially conceiving like one day out of the month, you know, like, but honestly, my experience on the pill was not even remotely comparable to my experience getting off of the pill. My experience getting off of the pill the most recent time, I, I went on and off the pill a couple of, three times. The last time after having been on it for many years, the way that it threw my entire body for a whack, like the way I was getting cystic acne when I'd never experienced acne in my entire life. I mean, it just like, I will never get over. I still have like scars on my face from that time. Cause I would like try to pop it, even though it was like so far beneath the surface, you know, but like, I, I like, I didn't want to leave the house because like my face felt like it was exploding. My moods were all over the place. Like everything was all over the place. It took so long for me to stabilize my hormones. Like I don't care what happens. I never want to deal with that shit again. And it's wild to me how many friends I have who are on various forms of birth control that they don't like, but that they continue to do. And they're like, well, I don't want to get pregnant. And I'm like, okay, but like, it's not like there is another way. So I really, I just, I think this is like the Lord's work. We need to talk about it. Um, 
So yeah, can you kind of talk about what actually fertility awareness method is? Sure. Um, So there are multiple different methods underneath this overall kind of umbrella term of fertility awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, And there, so I can speak a little bit more specifically about the one method I follow, but just know that there are numerous ones. Um, There are in particular, I think the the most commonly used ones um, are the symptothermal methods. And so that's where you're combining um, uh, the, the basal body temperature Um, so reading your basal body temperature with your cervical fluid or cervical mucus. So there we have the symptom, right? The, the symptoms and the thermal, the, the temperatures. Uh, and so when you combine those two, um, signs from your body, right, you can understand where you are in your cycle. You can also add to that cervical position, which is something that I haven't quite gotten to yet, but basically based on where you are in your cycle, your cervix can either be a little bit higher or a little lower and also can have a different texture. It'll be a little softer or a little harder. Um, but that of course requires, you know, you to feel around to to touch your cervix and be able to understand, uh, what it feels like. So I haven't quite gotten into that yet. That's really another secondary (laughs) sign that you can look to yeah it sounds a this little is funny, the but first yeah. I'm hearing of this wow <laughs> I just can't like you really have to know your body yeah I mean and 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 that said like for anyone who's listening who's never heard of this and you're thinking what is this this is wild this sounds nuts well it is something that you need to learn right it's a method it's a method that you need to learn you need to practice um you you know it's it it takes a while to begin to understand it like think of learning uh, a new language or learning to ride a bike or learning how to drive right those those earlier stages are going to be a little bit more like you don't really know what you're doing but mm-hmm. once you learn the method, then it's just kind of lather, rinse and repeat Mm -hmm. (laughs) day after day. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, so those are the, the three basic things that you're tracking. Um, you really only have to do the temperature and the cervical fluid for Mm -hmm. the method that I use. Um, and that is the method outlined in the book, taking charge of your fertility. Mm -hmm. Um, it's written by Tony Weschler. Uh, that's, uh, for, for listeners, T O N I W E S C H L E R, um, Mm -hmm. taking charge of your fertility. And basically, um, she outlines this method where you're using both of those, uh, signs, um, but can also uh, include the, uh, cervical position. And so what, why you're, why you're tracking those two signs is because as, so in your cycle, right, we have these roughly two uh, segments. Of course, we think about it as, um, you know, we have the menstrual phase, we have the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. Um, and so at the beginning of this, the cycle, we have the menstrual phase, of course, right? The days in which you're actually bleeding. And then we move into the follicular phase. Um, of course, we have a period that is associated with ovulation, um, but we're kind of thinking about it as the culmination of the follicular phase and then the transition into the luteal phase. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the two primary um, parts of the cycle that we're looking for um, the transition between them. Mm-hmm. And that is marked by um, a change in your temperature. You're going to have a temperature shift and also you're going to have your cervical mucus that changes. Um, so for the cervical mucus or the cervical fluid, the basic general pattern is that after you finish bleeding, 
you will um, start to have some fluid that will be maybe a little bit on the stickier side. You won't have much of it. Um, and then you start to have more uh, and it can have an even egg white-like consistency. Mm-hmm. And this or a watery kind of cervical fluid, like if you feel like you have a kind of gush of water out of nowhere into your underwear, right? That's watery cervical fluid. And those two are the most fertile types of cervical <gasps> fluid. I had that the other day. Oh, exciting. I pulled my pants down to see if I had started bleeding I was like oh my god I just felt something come out but oh okay like literally it felt like a gush of water I was like what the fuck was that Mm -hmm. yeah wow okay okay oh good 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 okay that's promising yeah no that's that's a great sign very fertile quality um and so what you're going to do is you want to have an uh a way of charting all of this I should have said that sooner (laughs) but you need a way to chart your cycle Mm -hmm. you can do it by hand there are some people People who old school will like use a chart that you fill out by hand. Uh, but these days we have access to so many apps that mm-hmm. are really super helpful for this. I really, really heartily recommend the Read Your Body app. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by far the best for proper fertility awareness charting mm-hmm. because you have to put in all of the information yourself. There's nothing predictive about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing to know about this method, right? This is, there are no predictions that take take place with it. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is observing the, um, the signs in our body that can tell us where we are. So we can confirm what has happened, right? That ovulation has happened, but we can't predict when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And here actually, maybe it's the a funny moment in the in the the arc here of the discussion to put it in but I just want to highlight uh, a couple of things that this is first of all not the rhythm method right people will get this confused and Mm -hmm. and if you even google fertility awareness method uh, sometimes the rhythm method comes up mm-hmm. and the rhythm method is basically where, you know, you're looking at, uh, at a calendar. Um, sometimes it's referred to the calendar method also. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, uh, basically, uh, everyone who has a cycle is going to have a 28 day cycle and is going to ovulate on day 14. We're not robots. Mm-hmm. Our bodies do not work consistently in that way any sort of environmental change, stress that we're experiencing, illness, even having a little too much to drink at dinner one night, um, changing your diet, having an allergic reaction, like all sorts of things can change your cycle and affect when you're going to ovulate. So anyway, this is absolutely not in any way, shape or form related to the rhythm method. Mm -hmm. This is based on observable data, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the data. Um, and so, uh, so yes, coming back to charting and in an app. Um, so you're going to put in the, uh, every single day, you're going to put in your observations on your cervical fluid and you'll mark whether you have none. And and if you have none, if it's a dry day, basically you have to be 100% completely dry. That's Mm -hmm. the only way it can be really considered a dry day. Wait, can I stop you? Mm -hmm. How are you finding your cervical mucus like is it because I've heard like you can either you know put a finger in or like it's what's on your underwear but like is is one better than the other so different people and different methods have different opinions on this um you can do internal checks like you Mm -hmm. were saying right just like sticking a finger up inside yourself um or you can do external checks I tend to do external uh and 
that basically just because, um, you know, uh, when you're, you can see, you can see a little bit on your underwear, but I find that it's better to do it like when wiping after going to the bathroom, for example, at least oh. for me personally, every person's going to be different, yeah. um, but you know what you see on the toilet paper, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and, and you, you may feel squeamish at the thought of this, but you know, sometimes I'll pick up what I, what I find on the toilet paper and just kind of squeeze it between mm. my fingers, right? That's an important way of learning to read your, your body's own cervical fluid, fluid, right? Because if it is more fertile, it's going to stretch further. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you want to observe it, look at it, but also kind of feel it in your fingers and feel how it feels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Because what I've always been confused by, like when I tried to do this for a minute and I'd kind of just like put a finger in and check, like it's never fully dry. So that's mm-hmm. like, so it's kind of like, I don't know, it's the same shit as every other day. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And that's, and that's because right. The, just the, the environment of the vagina is always, there's always some sort of moisture there whether it's actual cervical fluid or not right beginning Mm. to read your patterns your own personal patterns of cervical fluid will help you to determine that but here just a note on dry days I never I never mark a dry day for myself just because it never feels to me like there really is no fluid (laughs) okay wait wait so you Mm -hmm. said something that's like just clicking for me cervical fluid is different than just like the gunk inside the vaginal canal. Like I guess cervical fluid could drip down into the vaginal canal, but like what's in the vaginal, like on the walls of the vagina isn't necessarily cervical fluid. Yes. Uh, like, because like, I yeah. guess if you get horny, right? Oh yeah. So you arousal, get wet. arousal fluid is a totally different substance. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 This is making a lot of sense. Um, okay. So you kind of just go on what's on the toilet paper mm-hmm. when you wipe. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but and again, there are different what ways. What does it mean when it's like <laughs> creamy? So creamy is, so, okay, so there's a kind of an overall arc uh, or a hierarchy, we could say, in cervical Uh fluid. So we go from sticky to creamy to egg white to watery. That's kind of the the arc moving from least fertile kind to Mm. most fertile kind. Okay. Um, And um, that said... So basically in your cycle, when you have, when you start to have a more of a creamy type cervical fluid, or I would, I would say for any kind of cervical fluid that that's really where your fertile window opens mm-hmm. because your body is starting to produce more cervical fluid. And mm-hmm. then you're in your supposedly most fertile moment when you have more egg white uh, quality cervical fluid and or watery as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So you want to be looking for the differences between those because that helps you to understand where your fertile window really opens. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens after you get to watery? Because there is still like, so that's... uh, when you're fertile, right? But there's still a minute between that and when you start bleeding. So mm-hmm. does do you go back to creamy? Because I feel like I spend a lot of time in creamy. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out why. Yeah. So this is a great question. So um, uh, overall, when you're if, if you're looking at a quote unquote normal uh, chart, right, a cycle that has ovulation in it, um, we're going to have after you finish bleeding, we're going to have a slow, gradual build up towards fertile quality cervical 
cervical fluid, Mm -hmm. um, more of it, uh, happening. And then at a certain point it's going to taper off and you're not going to have any more of the fertile quality fluid, Mm -hmm. but you may continue to have creamy and or sticky fluid throughout the rest of the cycle. And that's the the luteal phase basically. All right. So that is uh, a kind of summary of cervical fluid in brief. Uh, but the other sign that you want to be charting is your basal body temperature. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean you just take your temperature at any time during the day with any old f- thermometer, but you need a specific kind of basal body thermometer. Um, and you want to take your temperature if you're doing it orally, for example, first thing in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. When you wake up, before you get out of bed, before you speak, before you do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically mm-hmm. like exactly first thing um, in the morning. And that is kind of your resting body temperature. Mm-hmm. And we chart the body temperature, the basal body temperature, because based on where you are in your cycle, there are basically two different um, uh, uh, phases for your temperatures. You're going to have the um, follicular phase temperatures, and then you're going to have the luteal phase temperatures that are higher than those. And so when you're charting your temperature, what you're going to be doing is looking for a temperature shift. Mm -hmm. And um, in order to determine that shift, basically you're going to have a number of temperatures. uh, The the traditional amount for the method that I use is six temperatures in a row that are all below a certain level where you can draw a line called Mm -hmm. the cover line in your chart. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have a temperature that is higher than that cover line. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you can't confirm a temperature shift until you have several high temperatures in a row. Uh, and you need uh, to have, yeah, yeah. So you, so you'll have, you, you might think that you have a shift happening when you have one temperature that's higher. Mm-hmm. And so you can begin to mark it as a temperature shift in the app if you'd like, but you can't really tell until you have a few days of sustained high temperatures after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is happening basically because, um, if we look at the way that the hormones are shifting in our cycle, so during the follicular phase, we have estrogen building up. That is what's causing more for, for uh, fertile quality cervical fluid to be produced. Mm-hmm. And then we have progesterone rising when we ovulate and we move into the luteal phase. And that is what triggers the higher temperatures. Mm-hmm. So when we combine these two hormonal shifts with the observable data that we can gather based on them, right? That is how we can actually confirm that ovulation has happened. Mm-hmm. And when is that? Well, again, with, with the method I use, it's always a little, there are subtle differences based on, uh, you know, what kind of rise you have. And like, we don't have to get into that. It's very complicated. Um, but more or less, basically you're going to have a peak day for cervical fluid, which is mm-hmm. the last day that you have fertile quality. And then after that, you have several days, uh, of non-fertile cervical fluid. Mm-hmm. So basically that, last day of cervical fluid that is, let's say egg white or watery is your peak day. And then you count one, two, three days after that, Mm. then you're, you've closed that part of the window, but you also need to have your temperature shift plus three days after that could be four, um, depends uh, again on the method. Um, but basically once you've reached 
peak fluid plus three days and high temperature plus three days, Mm -hmm. then you can confirm that your fertile window is closed. uh, And basically you are safe. You're in the safe zone. You're in the infertile zone and you can have unprotected sex without any risk of pregnancy because you have already ovulated and you cannot ovulate again in in a single Mm -hmm. cycle. Even Mm -hmm. though I think two eggs technically can be released shortly after one another, but never in more than a 24 hour cycle. And mm-hmm. the, the temperature plus three calculation bring, uh, takes that into account. Okay. Yes. And that generally happens for like older women, right? Is that... I'm, I'm actually not sure about that. Um, but I do know that right, this P plus three, so peak plus three and T plus three temperature plus three, um, do take all of that into account. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I like pulled out my chart because I want to look at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the temperature spike and uh, like peak cervical mucus, like whatever the most like eggoidy or watery, do those happen on the same day generally or? or so they can, mm-hmm. but it, it, they do not necessarily happen on the same day. Okay. It can happen that you have your peak day one day before your temper, temperature shift or a couple days before or even mm-hmm. a couple days after. Mm-hmm. The important thing is that you remember that, well, first of all, right, if you have your your peak day on the same day as your temperature shift one month, it does not mean it's going to happen again the next month. Basically, okay. we cannot use our own cycles to predict what's going to happen because each new one can be different. Okay. It's always going to be shifting. And so you just always want to obey the P plus three and T plus three rule. Okay. Here's a question before we start looking at all my temperatures, because my temperatures are like kind of crazy. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. (laughs) I might have some kind of health problem I need to investigate because it seems like my temperature is changing a lot. Um, But um, it sounds like what we can do is confirm that ovulation has happened, but we can't predict when ovulation will happen. Exactly. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. I think you actually said that verbatim earlier. But but it's um. it's a great point to repeat (laughs) um, because that is is really the backbone of this method, that it Mm -hmm. is not predictive. It is based on the data that you're gathering from Mm -hmm. your own body. Um, And so you can only confirm you can't predict ovulation. And Um, Here, I think it's really important to mention that there are some apps that are super popular, like Natural Cycles, Mm -hmm. that use an algorithm to predict when you're going to ovulate. And that one only uses temperature. It doesn't include cervical fluid observations. And it predicts using an algorithm. And that is just super, super risky. Mm -hmm. Super risky. So like listeners, beware. (laughs) Okay. If If you are serious about not getting pregnant, right? If you want to try mm-hmm. using fertility awareness methods um, to avoid getting pregnant, you absolutely need to be uh, observing your own data and not using anything that's predictive. So that includes natural cycles. That includes DAISY, um, the DAISY mm-hmm. uh, um, basal body temperature uh, thermometer, right? Mm-hmm. Which also predicts whether you're fertile or not. So anything that's predictive is just a big no-no. Avoid mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why I really love the Read Your Body app, as I was saying before. Mm-hmm. Um, it is made by 
fertility awareness method users for fertility awareness method users. Mm -hmm. Um, it was actually crowdfunded a few years back. Um, I contributed to that crowdfund and I'm super glad I did because it's, it's incredible. It's you, you have tons of customization options. Um, there's no prediction. You read all of your own data and this might sound a little bit scary or like there's a steep learning curve and there, there is a big learning curve, right? Mm -hmm. You have to really learn this. If you want to do the taking charge of your fertility method, you can buy the book, read the book, study very carefully. And then, um, it's recommended to have at least three ovulatory cycles where you're charting before you even think about attempting using, uh, using it uh, as birth control. So before you go unprotected, Mm -hmm. um, there are other methods as well, where you can hire an instructor to teach you how to use it. And that is really, I mean, it's based on, I think, another um, symptothermal method called Sensaplan that originated, I believe, in Germany, where they've actually done scientific studies and have been able to demonstrate that when used perfectly, it is 99.4 or 0.6, I need to double check that, but 99 point something percent effective. Um, so again, this is, you know, when you're using it perfectly and that mm-hmm. involves, um, a lot of study, a lot of, uh, uh, learning how to do it. But basically once you learn it, you just repeat it again and again. And I think that the beautiful thing also about this is that it gives you such a sense of awareness and trust in your own body, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to understand what your body is telling you about this important vital sign, you know, mm-hmm. how, how is everything going? You know, you're able to trust your body, uh, in a totally new way, I think, which is for me was just huge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. I want to talk more about the read your body app, but one question that I've had about this, like as you're talking is if you can confirm ovulation, but not predict ovulation, then like once you're done with ovulating the P plus three, right. And you're good. You can have all the unprotected sex, um, up until your period through your period. What about after your period? What about the next cycle? Like how long can you have unprotected sex or would you not really do it after your period? Or like, let's say you Mm -hmm. really do not want to have a child. Like you really, really do not want to have a child. Yeah. Okay. This is a great question. So, um, just, uh, a quick little kind of, um, side note or asterisk here. (laughs) Uh, so it, right. It's, it typically is temperature plus three, T plus three, but basing on, basing it on how high your temperatures are above your cover line. So how far the difference is basically between the follicular phase temperatures and the luteal phase ones, you may need an extra day or couple of days or a few days. So it's not always hard and fast T plus three. It could be T plus four. It could be more. Also, if you have missing data, for example, if you skip a day, right, it might Mm -hmm. take longer. So just, I just want to be super clear about that. Yeah. Um, But one other thing, sorry, before you go on, um, I've, I've seen, so I have the natural cycles app because I have the aura ring and it Mm -hmm. syncs with Mm -hmm. the aura ring, which I'm going to show you my app, um, shortly. But um, one thing it'll do is if you drink, it erases your data mm, for that okay. day. 
Ah, okay. I see. So, and that's, and that's something to be aware of as well. Like you need to learn or you will learn just in the process of charting what really affects your temperatures and what affects your cervical fluid. Alcohol um, for some can really make a big difference. Also interrupted sleep can make a difference. Or mm-hmm. if you are getting up at different times um, uh, and, and actually uh, there is a particular kind of basal body thermometer that you can wear on your arm that is super popular it's called Mm. temp drop so some people like you know if you have uh you know young kids or something and you're they're waking you up in the middle of the night right that can interrupt your sleep and that can uh really affect your your temperature mm-hmm. um having a wearable device and I, I imagine that probably it would be similar for the aura ring I'm less familiar with it just because it's newer mm-hmm. but super interested in learning more um so that may be something to to consider right so these things yeah alcohol can uh, affect it um interrupted sleep can other things can as well so you'll just kind of want to observe uh in yourself as you chart what affects you like I've noticed that for me for example it doesn't really matter if much if my sleep was interrupted or if I got up at a different time um mm. I've had some cycles where I've been you know getting up one day at 7 30 one day at nine one day at six you know kind of all over the place mm. and it hasn't really affected the range of my temperatures that much but for some people it will so, okay. so that's something to be aware of and alcohol as well. And, um, just a note. So in the read your body app, you can manually mark if a temperature is not to be trusted. <laughs> okay. Right. So you can mark it as questionable mm-hmm. and then it will show on the chart, but it'll be kind of grayed out. So you can see, you know, how it relates to the other temperatures. So yeah, that's, that's really important to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Where were we before this? <laughs> um, you were, uh, I had asked about, after like on a oh, new cycle yeah, after you your, have yeah. unprotected sex so basically yes after you have confirmed that ovulation is ha- has happened you're safe for the rest of that cycle so for mm-hmm. the remainder of the luteal phase um and until you start bleeding then when you start the next month's bleed um generally speaking i would say you are still safe for the first couple of days two to three days and then here the rules for different methods also vary as for Mm -hmm. where you have to make that cutoff um uh and there is something that's called a during rule um named after i think the person who came up with it d-o-e-r-i-n-g and that's related to which day in your cycle is the last safe day Mm -hmm. um i don't use that myself though so i can't comment specifically on it Mm -hmm. what i can say for what i do is that basically i don't do any unprotected sex um until i have confirmed ovulation does that include your period yes Wow. Well, but, oh, but, okay. But now I should be a little more specific. Mm -hmm. Um, My partner and I, since we've been together for a long time now, um, we don't use condoms anymore. It's been Mm -hmm. a long time since we have used condoms. But when I am in my fertile phase, or even when I'm on my period, I will use a diaphragm as a backup uh, form of protection. Okay. And then we'll combine that also with withdrawal. Yeah. And and on my period, I prefer to use the diaphragm than to use nothing just because it also makes it a little bit cleaner, (laughs) right? There's less cleanup (laughs) since the diaphragm is kind of both preventing things from getting in and preventing things from getting out. (laughs) 
Okay, we play it very fast and loose. <laughs> like when I'm on my period, he'll come inside me. And then when I'm not on my period, he pulls out, which is not the pull out method is not a birth control method, guys. Like you absolutely well, can get pregnant. Well, it does depend. And here, okay. the, so with pull, the pull out method or withdrawal, um, so only a certain percentage of men, and I believe it's a small percentage, but I couldn't tell you, actually have sperm in their pre-ejaculate. <gasps> and this is something that you can test for. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can go to the doctor to test for it, but I know that within, <laughs> within the, the fertility awareness community, like there are tons of forums, there's a Facebook group, all of this, like people will buy microscopes and they'll, you know, look at, <gasps> look at the, the pre-ejaculate under a micro- microscope to see if you got the little swimmers going around. Oh. Um, Oh my God. Because basically, yeah, it seems that some studies, but very, very small studies were done um, that show that either a man has sperm in his pre-ejaculate or he doesn't. So it's not a, it happens sometimes thing. It's either you do or you don't. Wow. And so, um, and that combined with the fact that there is um, a method called perfect withdrawal where you have to follow certain rules, right? So it means um, basically you pull out well before Mm -hmm. uh, ejaculation. So not like 10 seconds before, but a good bit before. So Mm -hmm. very, you know, very much in control. Uh, And if you're going to have multiple rounds, the, you know, the man needs to wash himself very Mm -hmm. carefully, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, and, and, And urinate also, right? to get any potential residual sperm out of the urethra. Uh, And so basically, if you follow perfect withdrawal, uh, then it's a very small chance. Um, The chance, of course, though, is magnified or becomes higher if he does actually have sperm in his um, pre-ejaculate. So anyway, that's that's something to keep in mind. Okay. I, I, uh, let's see, have I ever used only withdrawal? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe I have, maybe I have, I can't recall, but, but generally speaking, you know, whenever I am in the potential fertile area, or even when I'm on my period to help to minimize mess, I Mm. pair it with a diaphragm. Um, and it is, it's seemingly, I mean, very hard to get a diaphragm in the United States these days in that they don't make them here anymore, (laughs) which I find absolutely absurd, but um, dear listeners, there is a mo- one size fits most diaphragm called Kaya. Um, it's spelled C-A-Y-A. I believe they're made in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Germans are really, they're on top of this stuff. They, yeah. they know what's up. Um, and it is available. Uh, you can have your pharmacy order it here in the States. I mean, major pharmacies, CVS, Walgreens, et cetera. Uh, look, take a look at their website. Um, but basically go to your gynecologist, ask to be fitted if mm-hmm. you would like, because again, it's a one size fits most, but not all. So you do need to be fitted and mm-hmm. make sure that you fit within the range and then ask your gynecologist to order this for you. Uh, my gynecologist did not know that this existed did not know that it was a possibility. And so I am like extra proud of myself, I guess, for asking her for it and telling her about it because now she knows that it's a thing that she can recommend to other patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a note on that, that is, that is available. You do though need to use it with a, um, a diaphragm gel, which is, uh, there, there is one that Kaya also produces. Um, there's another form of the same, it's the same formulation. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the brand name. Do, do, do. Maybe it'll come to me later. Um, but you can buy that online. 
Okay, what the fuck is a diaphragm gel? So it's like a spermicide, but it's not like the chemical spermicides that you can okay. buy in the store that, that can be like really caustic and cause a lot of women a lot of discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically is lactic acid. It's lactic acid that is the the primary um, active ingredient in it. And it's not a spermicide in that it doesn't kill sperm, but it um, is a motility inhibitor, I believe. It kind of stops them in their tracks (laughs) and doesn't allow them to move. Yeah, Uh, it creates like an inhospitable environment Mm -hmm. for sperm, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and doesn't allow them to swim further, basically. Uh, So yeah, a diaphragm used without that basically does nothing. (laughs) Because if it, you know, if, if... Uh, it, it opens up on one side because it's not like a hermetic seal over your right. cervix, right? <laughs> you need to make sure it's over the cervix, but as you move around, which one tends to do a little bit at least during, during sex, sex. <laughs> um, you know, you, the sperm can potentially get up inside it. And okay. that is why you apply a generous amount of the gel inside of the diaphragm before you insert it because that comes into contact with the cervix and kind of insulates it. Okay. I bet lactic acid is actually like kind of good for your flora to put up there I to mean, be completely yeah, honest I guess like it so. can't hurt yeah comparably uh, speaking yeah it's a lot better than a lot of other things <laughs> right 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 oh so interesting okay I want to stay on temperature for a while yeah. because I want to show you my natural cycles um so I when I got back from Australia there was one time where I was like oh I I think this is when I ovulated and so like I should be getting my period soon and I showed my chart to Stella and she's like no actually that doesn't look like ovulation to me I still don't see anything but but like I just it just feels like my temperatures are constantly spiking up and down um so I'm going to show it to you it's from the aura ring data because I could not be bothered to use like an actual basal body temperature thermometer um all right let's take a look at this yeah. All right. We got lots of up and down, lots of up and down, and I don't see any recognizable um, point of change or or shift here in the temperatures. And what that just means is that you haven't ovulated yet, mm-hmm. right? The only the only time that we do see a consistent and sustained temperature shift is post ovulation. So it seems that your body is just you know you're having a longer cycle right now, and mm-hmm. since you were traveling for an extended period, um, you know, that is a stress on the body Mm -hmm. on the other side of the world. That's a huge time difference that can change things also. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, just stick it out. Okay. It's it's coming eventually. (laughs) And even though I had the like watery cervical fluid, you still would say no ovulation. Yeah. So, so, um, it can often happen that, you know, if you have more irregular cycles or you have some longer cycles like this, it, your body can gear up, gear up to ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you may see an increase in fertile quality cervical fluid. But if you can't pair that with a sustained temperature shift, mm-hmm. it probably means that your body was trying to ovulate, but something about the environment was not right. So it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that can happen a number of times until you do have eventually an actual temperature shift. Okay. And just to repeat, it's you want to see the temperature be above a baseline for six days. Is that what you said? Uh, so the, the exact number will vary based on how high the temperatures are in comparison to the cover line. Okay. Right. That kind of dividing line between the follicular phase temperatures and the luteal phase temperatures. Um, but it's at least 
T plus three. So okay. temperature shift plus three days after that. That's okay. the minimum. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and I, I know you're not a doctor, so you might not have an answer for this, but like, do I need to be concerned about how much my temperatures are all over the place? Cause it looks kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, well, again, I am not a doctor. <laughs> Definitely not. I cannot give you medical advice, but I'd say, you know, just try to minimize stress as much as you can try to yeah. nourish your body as best as you can. Like, I, I don't know, like if, uh, if like there've been any changes in your diet, that's something that I would say, you know, make sure that you're getting enough nutrition to like Mm -hmm. anybody who's experiencing this also like make sure that you're not too stressed make sure that you're not doing too much super intense physical activity, like a lot Mm -hmm. of exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, all of those things can cause your body to stop ovulating or pause its ovulation because it's kind of placing you in a more stressful, uh, uh, mode overall. Right. And if we think about, you know, when you're stressed, we have the, all of these stress hormones, cortisol and stuff, all of the hormones in our bodies are interrelated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it's this very kind of very delicate ecosystem where they're all in dialogue with each other. So yeah, I mean, lots of rest and nourishment and minimizing stress, all of those things I think would be definitely uh, recommended for anyone who's having a, a longer cycle with delayed ovulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, it, it could be worth going to the gynecologist. Um, oh, yeah, I'm for sure. And, <laughs> yeah, just because, you know, sometimes you could have a cyst or something that will affect your body's production of hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can result in irregular cycles as well. So mm-hmm. Yeah, might be worth taking a look, getting an ultrasound. But yeah. it, I don't think it's necessarily cause for alarm. If it's mm-hmm. something that ha- um, happens continuously, and this can happen in particular for people who are just coming off of birth control, like having mm-hmm. longer cycles, very irregular cycles, then it's great to, you know, of course, work with a gynecologist, maybe with a holistic health practitioner specialized in hormone um, health to try to get that back on track. Yeah. But in any case, um, we can use charting as a really amazing tool to, um, to, to get back on track, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's another way in which we can gain insight into what's going on with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see a number of reasons why I wouldn't be ovulating right now. The stress from the travel. I mean, I had like borderline PTSD, I would say, from my travel experience. Yeah, it was not the smoothest, <laughs> yeah. at least uh, particularly at the beginning, as we yeah. all know. <laughs> and like, I think the coming back, like I, like I really like was just like kind of like I didn't realize how like the way my body had stored the trauma until we were in the Dallas airport and I could just feel my heart racing and like being like, it's okay. It's okay. If you have to stay here overnight, it's okay. If you have to stay here overnight. (laughs) But yeah. So, I mean, I really was like incredibly anxious. Um, and Ozzy, uh, always not like jokes about this but you know he's like really into sports and stuff and I famously did not 
exercise until like recently. And I, I don't even exercise that hard now, by the way. I'm like, I'm doing like 10 minutes a day some days. And this is what I, like the way I'm talking about it, you would think I'd like join some kind of like CrossFit gym or something. <laughs> like I'm like in like weightlifting competitions. I literally am doing like 10 minutes of workout some days. But he was like, you know, I know with a lot of female athletes, they lose their periods from like training too hard do you think it's because you started working out and I was like possibly but I did lose weight like Mm. like like we can be honest about that I did lose weight now I lost weight that I'd gained last year from having a thyroid issue and like iron and a bunch of things off um so I, I didn't go like below that weight and I do, I'm, I, I don't weigh myself, so I actually don't know that that's true, but, um, but I, I have clothes and that's how I mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah, gauge my body. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, I know that like I've been this size before and had like regular cycles. So I, I don't feel like my weight should be throwing it off. Who knows? Maybe it is like, I, I don't know. Um, I do have an appointment coming up with Dr. Dahlia and she also wrote me, um, like a transvaginal ultrasound to mm-hmm. get a closer look in my ovaries to see if there's like cysts and stuff like that. Um, I need to, the hospital is like very complicated about going and doing that imaging, but I need to get on that. Um, but one thing I want to do is I want to open, I did download that app and I do believe I paid for the annual subscription and <laughs> I believe I've not used it since. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. So I want to open the app and kind of like walk people through how to use it. Okay, so the first thing I see is I can input my temperature. Mm -hmm. So would I go to like the Aura Ring app or the Natural Cycles app and find my temperature there and put it in? Yeah, definitely, right? So if you have have an Aura Ring or a different kind of basal body thermometer that will automatically sync with your phone and gather your temperatures, Mm -hmm. Uh, then you can go straight to that. Um, And yeah, grab the temperature, drop it into the app. You can also put the time that you took the temperature um, just to the side of the, the temperature input spot. And that way you have both you know, both of those data points. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see, oh, today's cycle day 111. Oh, love According that. to natural cycles, <laughs> although it's like very unclear oh, how they're yeah. coming up with these numbers, honestly. Yeah. Again, <laughs> don't trust natural cycles, yeah. folks. Please don't. <laughs> um, okay. It says 97.47. I don't know what time it took it, but I would imagine Aura Ring just does it like I mean, it technically oh, has yeah. your temperature all the time. Yeah, that's true. So, so maybe, yeah, I, I would suppose that for something like n- either the Aura Ring or the Temp Drop wearable mm-hmm. thermometer that you don't need to put in, uh, an input time. Whereas if you're using an oral thermometer, which is what I do, mm-hmm. um, and uh, if anyone's looking for a recommendation for one of those, I use the Thermometer Vinca 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy it online it's it's you know it's comparably not expensive it's not nearly as expensive as an aura ring or the uh temp drop i think it's about 50 dollars, something like that but it is a digital um thermometer that will sync directly with your phone Mm -hmm. Uh, so i find that really really helpful they do have their own app the app itself is fairly useless Mm -hmm. but it's helpful for storing those temperatures and then transferring them over manually to read your body okay um 
I have like 4 million questions. Uh, one thing like, so I got the aura ring because like I had, I had a very high end basal body temperature thermometer and I found that I just stopped using it cause like could not be bothered. Um, so I was like, okay, I just, I need something wearable. But it feels like something that's taking your temperature outside of your body is probably a little less reliable than something you're putting inside your mouth, right? I mean, that's what I would tend to think. Uh, mm-hmm. I am I am super curious about the Aura Ring and, you know, have thought about maybe getting one myself, but I can't really speak to it since I have no experience with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have found that for me, oral temperatures have worked just fine. Some people, uh, use do a trans or not transvaginal, just vaginal temp- temperatures, right? We'll, okay. we'll insert again. It's the same kind of basal body thermometer, but we'll mm-hmm. insert it vaginally instead. And some people find that that is more reliable, um, mm-hmm. that they have less jumpy temperatures when they're charting. But, um, yeah, one thing that I would be curious to do is if I do decide to get an aura ring at some point, um, to chart both and see mm-hmm. if the if the temperature shifts line up. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I've been using an oral uh, thermometer for so many years at this point, and I know what my charts look like with that, I'd be curious to see if they would look the same. Or I mean, it's not going to be exactly the same, but right. uh, yeah, to you know, get getting your temperature from an, a kind of external monitor versus an internal one is bound to be a little bit different. Right, right, right. Okay, so I put in 97.47. Right below that, it says disturbed. And mm. you can check it or not check it. What yeah, does that, so that mean? <laughs> so that is what you would t- um, tap that toggle to turn that on if you had a lot to drink last night or okay. if you woke up like six times in the night or, you know, something like that. Something that could have disturbed your sleep and made this a, an unreliable temperature. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so the section below that says fluid, mm-hmm. um, and the options are bleeding, spotting, dry, non-peak, peak. I think we've covered that pretty solid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so non-peak would be like a sticky. Sticky to creamy. To creamy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And peak is egg white to watery. Yeah. Um, dry, you said, is completely dry. Yes. And I think that, you know, at least for me, I have never had a day where I felt so bone dry that I could really consider it to be dry. Okay. The reason that some people chart dry days is because um, you may have them right after your period ends, for example, and before you have the beginning of um, more cervical fluid being produced. And so in theory, a dry day before you have any kind of cervical fluid is considered a safe day in theory. Okay. But I personally have not used that because I don't know if I would trust it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you can check for obscured, which it says you can mark obscured if it's difficult to clearly observe your cervical fluid today. For example, due to a vaginal imbalance or semen remaining after sex. Mm-hmm. And then you can check start of a new cycle. Yeah. So that would that's what you would do on the first day of bleeding, for example. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. So then you start, yeah, a new, a new chart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I'm leaving this blank right now because I'm not about to like pull my pants off <laughs> and check while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> Although I'm sure Stella would really love that. I mean, I'll close my eyes if you really want to. <laughs> 
Um, okay. The next section is intimacy. This seems kind of straightforward. Uh, the options are unprotected, withdrawal, and solo. Why would it want to know if you're masturbating? Um, that is that is just kind of included in case people want to chart it, I suppose. I mean, there's okay. no there's no reason that you need to chart it necessarily. It's just for your own Wait, hold on. There's so many more options that you can toggle on. Let's talk about this. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Uh, the options are insemination. That's like, what if you're artificially inseminated? Mm-hmm. Okay. You might yep. want to check that. Uh, condom diaphragm. Uh-huh. I'm checking that one a lot. No. <laughs> Cervical cap. What's that? That So that is another kind of barrier method that is similar to a diaphragm, but it is smaller and it kind of caps onto your cervix. I've never used one, okay. um, but yeah, it's just another barrier method that you can use instead of, um, a diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, an IUD mm-hmm. straightforward sterilization. Um, why would you even do any of this if you're sterilized? You know, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, non- PIV, what's PIV? Penis and Mm -hmm. vagina. Oh my God, I say that all the time. I say P and V. Well, P and V, PIV, same same difference. Wow, I didn't think like Mm -hmm. a real professional app would use this languaging. Well, one thing that uh, that that anyone who has even dipped their toe into the FAM community, FAM being for fertility awareness method, is that there are a ton of abbreviations for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it may seem like a different language. It kind of is, but you'll get the hang of it, right? We have TTA, trying to avoid pregnancy. TTC, okay. trying to conceive. Uh-huh. C- uh, CFH, charting for health, right? So these are kind of the different uh, categories that you can put your charting in. Okay, so you know what's funny? Yesterday I was thinking to myself, I was like, one sign, in my opinion, of a cult is when you have languaging of your own because Mm -hmm. it it kinda like it remove it not alienate, what's the right word? It almost like when when a group starts to have a lot of their own unique languaging that other people don't understand, it almost isolates members of that group from the outside world, which I think is like step one for a cult. So um, not wrong, <laughs> right? There's an in-group and there's an out-group. Yes. I guess with fam though, like all you have to do is Google like fam glossary or like what true. is TTC and it's all super publicly available. So there's no gatekeeping. <laughs> true, true, true. I do want to touch on that Potentially culty Facebook group that you're in later, oh, yes. though. <laughs> okay, and then there's journal, which I guess you can write whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's lifestyle custom info. I'm going to tap the gear to see. Okay, I don't so know. basically, you can just add in whatever you want there. Like in mine, for example, I have exercise, meditation, travel, alcohol, things like that. So you can you can add different things that if you're curious to see how they may affect or correlate with your cycle, um, then you can add those in there. Um, I find it super helpful, particularly for travel. You know, if I'm traveling and I'm sleeping somewhere that's not my usual bed, <laughs> okay, um, then, you know, that may result in my sleep being a little bit disturbed. My temperature might be a little bit off as a result. So it's just really helpful to be able to correlate. You know, you can also correlate with, you know, if you're doing different kinds of exercise, seeing if that can affect your cycle in some way. 
So okay. it's just about having more data available and being able to correlate the, correlate the, those different data points that you have. Okay. I want to create uh, like a thing for horniness because that I find mm-hmm. like, you know, ju- just I'll call it sure. sex drive. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a great one. <laughs> I'll that's be professional. Um, okay. <laughs> wait. So format, I'm not going to do emoji, like emoji, what you would scale it by emojis. Like I don't, I don't. No, no, no. It's, it's that it'll um, basically you just have a little emoji on, on your chart. Like that's what it shows on the chart in the, when you look at the chart side, um, like here, for example, I can show you my chart for a moment uh-huh. and like, you see that little weightlifter there. That's, yes. that's the one that I have for, for like fitness, for training. So you'll uh, see the little thing. Okay. There. Okay. Okay. I still think for sex drive, I'm going to do levels. Cause it's not like I have it or I don't, mm-hmm. it might be like yeah, yeah. small, medium, large. No, that's great. That's great. And they do allow that level of customization as well that you can have. Yeah. Small, okay. medium, large. Um, low medium high <laughs> damn okay I have to choose sort of an thing. icon for this mm-hmm. um oh uh, oh okay uh oh okay I'll, I'll choose the the smiley face that has the hearts all over okay for that all right we like um, okay cool 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 save mm-hmm. um maybe I'll add exercise yep great um activities let's do that one um I don't know if this is like so boring for people (laughs) or actually like interesting and useful okay I'll just put those two for now okay but maybe I'll add a few Mm -hmm. more like travel and things like that I almost at this point just close your eyes I'm just gonna check my cervical all right we're just doing it all on the pod eyes are closed tell me when to open them okay This is, I mean, you guys are, okay, my underwear is completely dry. Um, Which is not, dear listeners, necessarily an indicator that you have no cervical fluid, <laughs> right? We do have to dig a little deeper sometimes. Okay, I would say creamy. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, you can open. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to enter that, um, and then I'm going to enter... Excuse me, what happened? She took away my temperature. <laughs> 97.47, I remember. Um, I don't think it was disturbed. We're going to do non-peak for cervical mucus. Okay. Um, nothing on sex, nothing on anything. All right. Now, there's a couple other things, though, that I want to point out in the app. Okay. Um, so if you look under temp and under fluid, right, there are also these little ta- uh, or these little um, extra menus with interpretation that you uh-huh. can click on. See those? And that is where you're going to actually uh, interpret the data of your cycle. So if you tap on interpretation under temp, uh-huh. then you have two choices, right? The two toggles. You have one temporized starts today and temporized confirmed. Okay. See that? Yes. So those are the ones that you would use, you know, a temporized starts today when you have that first high temperature that could be your, um, your temperature shift. And then when you have the required number of high temperatures after that, you'll tap the temporize is confirmed. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And then under- So yeah. wait, so oh, yeah. like if I saw like, okay, let's say today is 97.47. Mm-hmm. Let's say tomorrow is like 99. Mm-hmm. 
I would hit temp rise starts today. So you could already hit it on that first day of a high temperature if you want mm-hmm. to, but that's a little bit wishful thinking. It's mm-hmm. I what I usually do is wait until I actually have a cup at least a couple if not a few high temperatures and then I'll mark that first one as the temperature shift. Okay. Just because you don't, you know, again, it's not a predictive method. Okay. It is about observing what has already happened and confirming ovulation. Um, but yeah, once you do, once you are able to identify visually, just looking at the chart, right, mm-hmm. that this is indeed the, where your temperature shifts, then you'll mark that one. And okay. then when you have enough temperatures after it, whether it's the plus three or more, um, depending on the exact rules of whichever method you're using, then you'll mark temperature shift confirmed. Okay. And now when you're done with like an entry for the day, is there like a done button or it just automatically no, you is can in just, there? You can just tap on the chart button on the bottom menu. Okay. And then you'll see your data plotted on the chart. Okay. I hit chart. It's loading. I'm excited to see it. Um, okay. Okay. I think I, I think that's that's useful on the good. Read Your Body app, right? I, yeah. I think we're good. I yeah, mean, yeah. I well, what, and figured one, myself in the middle of the podcast. Uh, I mean, this is a, this has got to be a first even for <laughs> yeah. this podcast. Um, there's just one more thing in the app that I want to point out that there's also in the interpretation section under fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're not only marking, you know, whether it's non-peak or a different kind of peak, that sort of thing. But if you Mm -hmm. tap again on that interpretation, uh, uh, button, Mm -hmm. then you get point of change, peak Mm -hmm. day and count after peak is complete. And so what these mean, um, a point of change is basically where you start to have fertile quality cervical fluid. Okay. So the first day that you have that, that's your point of change. That means that your fertile window is definitively open. Mm -hmm. Um, then peak day is going to be the last day that you have a fertile quality cervical fluid. Mm -hmm. And again, just like the temperature shift, you can't know that it's the last day until a couple days after. Okay. Wait, so you go in and amend. So you don't change what you've already entered. Okay. But you read the data, you look at the data and you say, okay, this week I had three days of egg white. I had then a day of watery after that. I had another day of egg white. And then I had two days of creamy, let's say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I have another day of creamy and I'm looking at the fact that my temperatures have already shifted, I'm like, okay, I can pretty firmly say that this was my peak day. Okay. And that it was the last day that I had fertile quality cervical fluid. And then we went back to non-fertile quality. So which day would you then mark as your peak day? The peak day is always the last day of fertile quality cervical fluid. So if you have both watery and egg white, watery, even though technically it's considered by some to be more fertile, Mm -hmm. just because you had that for one day, that does not necessarily make it the peak day. The peak day is whichever is the last day, which has either watery or egg white. Okay. Okay, so let's say on the first, you have egg white. On mm-hmm. the second, you have egg white. On the third, you have watery. Mm-hmm. On the fourth, you have egg white. On the fifth, you have creamy. And on the sixth, you have creamy. What? Which day would you mark as peak day? The fourth, which was the egg white after the watery. Okay, yeah. okay. So okay. basically, yeah. You're, so the, then you would go mm-hmm. in... 
So you Once go back. You, yeah, you go you back go into back. the app. Okay. You go back to the day, the last day that you had that fertile quality cervical fluid, mm-hmm. and you just tap on the interpretation uh, uh, little toggle thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you mark peak day. Okay. And then the same thing happens with count after peak is complete. You're going to mark that once you've had three full days mm-hmm. after the peak day okay. with no cervical fluid or no, no fertile quality cervical fluid. Rather. Okay. So like in that example, did I say the fifth was creamy? Yes. Fifth. You said the fifth and sixth were creamy. So okay, basically so you need to have the seventh, seventh. be creamy also. Uh-huh. And then you can say, okay, count after peak is complete. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we're good on cycle tracking or fertility awareness, right? Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I want to very briefly plan out our future children. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to talk to you about this, but I've been wanting to save it for the podcast. So I would like to ideally, if we if we can help it, which I completely understand, these things are like you have less control, right? A million things could happen, but if we can help it, I'd like to try to have kids at the same time. I mean, that would be super fun. Sure. It would be ideal, right? <laughs> we, can, we can become mom friends. You know We're what I really non, want? Non mom friends, but then we can be mom friends too. <laughs> I would like to have like a low key commune. Like, let's move to, like, the same block in Brooklyn and, like, raise kids together. Uh, that sounds kind of awesome. Let's right? do it. Yeah. Like, it's, and I don't need to live in the same house, but, like, the same block. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's so important in any case to have community, right? To mm-hmm. have, I mean, they say that it takes a village. And I think it's very much... Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe a product of like 1950s America, like the idea of the nuclear family as mm-hmm. a kind of isolated unit and that that is the ideal. Um, I love, I love the idea of, you know, having an extended family, whether that is by blood relation or just chosen family, mm-hmm. like friends where, you know, you all contribute to the well-being of your shared community. And so, yeah, I love the idea of, you know, we can, we can take turns with childcare, yeah. things like that. Sure. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, uh, you know, lean into our strengths. Like you can chart my cycle for me. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I like nerd out on this so much as I'm sure everyone has by now noticed. I'm just like, oh my God, this is my favorite topic. I just could talk for hours about it. Um, again, not an expert, just a big enthusiast. Um, I would like, argue I would... that you are an expert oh, though. You're I think you know more about this than like, you know more about this than most, if not all of my friends who've been to med school. Well, literally, I mean, I so just a note on that. I can't comment on med school, but I can comment on the fact that I think that medicine needs to catch up on this a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like the the gynecologist that I have now is the first one that I've ever had who knew what fertility awareness is and wasn't like, oh, wait, you use the rhythm method. Mm -hmm. Like, no, Mm -hmm. it's not even close, Mm -hmm. not even close to the rhythm method. (laughs) Um, So she knows what it is. She respects it. She's been supportive of it. But Mm -hmm. There are so many who just, you know, continue to try to push the pill or the IUD or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And for some people that may be the best choice, but 
overall, you know, it cuts you off from so many things. It cuts you off from, you know, having the, the, the normal flow of hormones in your body. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you no longer have access to this very important vital sign if you are disrupting it by preventing ovulation month after Mm -hmm. month after month. And regardless of how long you spend on hormonal birth control, if that's, if that's what you're doing, there's always going to be a, a, somewhat to very difficult period of adjustment to like get your hormones then re-regulated in order to get your cycle back. So I, Mm -hmm. I do overall think that there needs to be more attention uh, paid in this direction by the medical community, but Hey, you know, uh, fertility awareness method is not a multi-million dollar industry like that of the pill. Right. <laughs> so maybe even billion. I don't know. I'm not good with numbers. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, but, it's, but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, I, I'm sure it is billion actually. Now that I think yeah, about it, million yeah. sounds really low. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, just one last thing on charting. Do you do this every day? Yes, I do. Like what, just first thing in the morning? So, yeah, is first, it? So, so what I do is first thing in the morning when I wake up, I, mm-hmm. before I move, before I get out of be- bed, before I, you know, kiss my partner good morning or whatever, I like push him away and I take my temperature. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you do the app immediately afterwards so not, or no? Not always. The okay. good thing about the thermometer that I use is that it stores the temperature. Mm-hmm. And so I can sync it with my phone later if I want to and then transfer it from the, the thermometers app into the Read Your Body app. Sometimes Sometimes I do it immediately. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. But so that's, you know, the first thing that you want to do right away before you do anything else. Uh, and then just throughout the day, I will be observing my cervical fluid, right? Okay. So like every time I go to the bathroom, basically, I'll be observing, seeing okay. if I... If I see anything, um, you know, what the quality of it, of it is, et cetera, because it can also fluctuate like throughout the day. And so you want to go with the most fertile quality that you see in any given day. Okay. Wait, one last question on cervical mucus. And then yeah. I want to go back to the commune that I want to start. <laughs> is Does it mean anything in the lens of fertility if you have more or less of like cervical mucus? Like, like for example, this might be like such an overshare, but sometimes I feel like when I wipe after peeing, it's like it like the toilet paper almost like flies to the other side of the room because it's like so creamy. Whereas other times it's like it's still like the same consistency, but there's less of it. Does it mean anything in terms of like cycle stuff? Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, if someone doesn't have a lot of cervical fluid ever, then, um, you know, that may be an issue. Um, maybe dehydrated. I mean, drinking more water is going to, ma- is going to make you produce more cervical fluid, but also there are a lot of things that can disrupt that. I mean, even taking antihistamines, because what does that do, right? That kind of, you know, dries, dries out your you sinuses. Out, right. um, and it does the same thing for fluids in other parts of your body. So yeah. <laughs> Course, right, and I'm like hyperhydrated, mm-hmm. so that makes yeah, that could be why you have more at certain times. Okay, um, that makes yeah. sense. But it's not it's not ever necessarily a problem. Um, and and I think this is important also for us to stress. In I mean, there's I think all of this should be taught in school, sex ed, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also we have kind of this idea if we've never been educated in this that like if you're having all of this cervical fluid, like and you don't know that that's what it is, it's like oh I have weird discharge, I must have an infection, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's likely only an infection if the color is unusual compared to what it normally is, 
and if the smell is unusual compared to what right. it normally is. I mean, it naturally has its own like s- subtle to to less subtle odor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what you really want to be looking for is is it as it always is, or has something changed? Okay. I've learned so much today and like I would like I wouldn't even consider myself to be someone who knew the littlest. Do you know what I mean? Like I you know I I knew a decent amount but holy shit. Okay. Now before we wrap up, I I want to get back to this commune thing. So here's what I'm thinking and we can negotiate on this. Okay, good good to know that I have a voice here. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, you know, I want your feelings and plans to be considered. We get pregnant in two years. Is that too late for you? I mean, uh, never say <laughs> never. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to necessarily put an exact timeline on it, but uh-huh. I mean, two years could work. I'm still going to be well in my fertile years. Yeah. Um. So good. Sure, and two it could years work. It could work. Two, like, would you want to do it sooner? Maybe. Because I can get my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta I get my shit together too. Our and also, maybe I need to talk to my no partner voice. about this. No voice in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're not on board, at least we are. Yeah. And we will raise our two kids together. together. Oh my God. You know, it's funny. It's like my biggest fear always in life. Well, Okay, I've had a few huge fears. One is having a child that's not able-bodied or myself not being able-bodied, right? Mm -hmm. And then being a single mother. These are like my biggest fears. But now here we are like planning our commune and I'm giving zero consideration to whether my partner is a part of it (laughs) or not. So (laughs) So it's good. Like I think clearly I'm, you know, I'm, making progress on some of my fears. Um, but okay. Like what, what would your ideal timeline be? Cause I can work with you. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know if I want to put a timeline on yeah. it. I want to see when it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd fair say, enough. I'd say like, yeah, two years, if not sooner, I guess. Again, yeah. I should probably talk to my father. <laughs> can, we'll send him the podcast. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> When we were first dating, Ozzy was like, yeah, I have to like tune in every week to find out what's going on in our relationship. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we can have Superman do the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you like care about whether you're married or anything like that? So hmm, I think that ideally I would like to be but I feel like now at this stage of my life it feels less essential than it one wa- once mm-hmm. was like I do want to be married I do you know want that kind of commitment and that kind of you know tax break yeah <laughs> semi-kidding um but... although it can actually bite you in the ass in certain situations oh, just um, interesting okay it, then I want to know about those the tax code is very, very complicated, um, but um, <laughs> but there, it's not always a tax break. Mm-hmm. I yeah. will say okay. that. Well, I, I said that but, in jest, of course, but yeah. yeah. But you do always have the option of filing individually. That's true. Yeah. So if if it could hurt you, you could actually file individually. Mm-hmm. So like, really, it can't hurt. Yeah, but I believe case, I believe I'm yeah. not a tax lawyer, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Do not. <laughs> but yeah, so I do. You know, I do want I do want to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, I could 
I could see that happening after a child if that's just the timeline that makes more sense for me and my partner. Mm -hmm. But I'd love for it to be before Mm -hmm. if, if it does work. But yeah, you know. I'm flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. I think that's a, a decision that we'll make, you know, when the time comes. Yeah. We'll make together. Yeah. 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 So you're saying not with me here today. <laughs> not with you here today, alas. As much as I love this idea of planning out our, our uh, you know, future commune. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you, and this is like so not on topic, but since we're here, I just want to ask real quick. Do you want to have like a wedding? Yes, but not like a traditional like wedding industrial complex, mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. shebang. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. No, something something small, something intimate, something mm, a little more outside of the box. Yeah. I think would be really lovely. Like just family and close friends in a place that we love. Mm-hmm. Um, likely in a beautiful garden somewhere, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I do, I do want a wedding, but yeah, not the not the traditional, uh, the traditional American kind, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> How yeah. About you? I hear you. Oh God, I've been all over the place throughout my life on this subject. Um, I cannot like justify spending a lot of money on a party. And like, here's the thing, depending on how I'm doing financially, maybe I could justify like literally spending a lot of money on a party. But what I like when you attach the word wedding to that party, it automatically becomes more expensive than Mm -hmm. it needs to be. Um, I don't know lately. Okay. Like I do want to get married. Number one, um, that I do want to do, uh, like whatever. It's a lot of paperwork, but (laughs) (laughs) but we'll figure it out. Um, I'll I'll have a very tight prenup. Very tight. I actually, I already know what I want to say to the lawyer. I want it to be so extremely favorable to me that it's just teetering on the edge of being ruled inconscionable by a court. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like uh, I want to give nothing and I want to get everything. <laughs> like that's where I'm at with my prenup. It's the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> no, um all jokes aside, yeah. I do I I agree with like the commitment, right? It's mm-hmm. like I yeah. do rituals for every like Yes, I, I love mean, I love rituals. I love absolutely. And for the yeah. longest time I celebrated moon phases twice a month so like why the fuck would I not (laughs) celebrate like a commitment to my partner I just can't like it's just not what I want to spend my money on even Mm -hmm. if I am like really really rich by the time that happens it's just like there are so many other things I'd rather do with that money so but the one thing I really care about is the engagement ring that's the only thing I care about the only thing I care in fact I'd be fine just being engaged with like a really nice rock but no what I think probably I would do is um go to the courthouse in like a very chic white suit I love that for you I can like see this in my head already I love it a pants suit with the blazer has like a bit of a low cut maybe you get a hint of like a lacy bralette love it peeking out right you can picture it right (laughs) with like white flowers iconic chic and then I don't fucking know (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe I don't know maybe like on a separate day we can 
I don't know. The the next part gives me like heart palpitations just thinking about it. Like I like could the I party part, you mean? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like maybe we could do like a like a gathering of 10 people. Mm. Oh, I love that. Like our immediate yeah. families, whatever. Maybe we can have. But then like, I don't, I, yeah, that part stresses me out. So I don't even want to think about it. Okay, I want to rewind, though, to the engagement ring. Uh-huh. Um, how do you feel about, do you want, like, a mind diamond? Do you want a synthetic diamond? I mean, I know it's more kind of eco-friendly. I, what What do you want? Do you, or, or does it have to be a diamond? Tell us more. Yeah, I want a diamond. I want a lab-grown diamond um, for mm-hmm. ethical reasons and for money reasons. And let me elaborate, because I want a diamond that is so big that it's teetering on the edge of gaudy. Love it. <laughs> also, see that for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I have a very specific vision. I want just one diamond. So no side stones, mm-hmm. no halo, no diamonds Solitaire. on the band. Just one stone, a plain, very dainty band. So dainty that you're like, oh my God, how is she holding that giant ring? And yeah, just one big, I think, I think like an oval shaped is mm-hmm. what I'm picturing. Um, I'd be open to a pair, mm-hmm. but I, I don't, I don't want like corners. And I think round for the size that I'm thinking and the way my fingers look, I think round would be tacky. Mm, okay. So yeah, I think I want an oval shape. Um, I don't know if I want like a gold or a white gold band. Okay. Even though I really wear like yellow gold jewelry ex- well, exclusively. Well, you could do, you could do gold, uh, yellow gold band with white gold prongs. Uh, cause yeah, the white gold mm-hmm. blends in with a diamond mm-hmm. better, right? Yeah. yeah or, I mean, it, it's a little more seamless, I guess, in that you don't yeah. have the contrast with the yellow gold. I uh, still, I like the, the contrast with yellow gold, but yeah. I have seen some rings with the, yeah, the white gold prongs that look really lovely with a yellow gold band. Yeah. You know what else we need to do? I mean, we should just marry each other at this <laughs> point. I mean, we basically had sex today. Like I basically, fingered myself yeah. while you were in the room. <laughs> oh my God, that's true. <laughs> this is like more intimate than I've been with some of my partners in the past. Same. <laughs> we need to go to a jeweler and try because I don't know what carrots look like mm-hmm. on my hands. Now I do think I have a good sense of my ring size. Thank you to the aura ring. <laughs> but um, so I think I'm a ring size four. If you're listening, Ozzy. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, you, I think that you, you just need to send him the podcast link and be like, this is the timestamp where you need to start listening. <laughs> yeah. I, the way I've been like peppering into like every person I know what I'm looking for in a <laughs> ring. Like when I was in Australia, the most, this most recent time, the number of times it came up, because like people are constantly like, oh, when are you guys going to get engaged? Blah, blah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, hey, we haven't been dating that long. So you can kind of relax on this. But, um, but if we're going to talk about it, let me tell you exactly what I want so you can tell him. But yeah, I think I need to try on rings and see what various carrots look like. Same. Let's go. Yeah, Let's we need it. to what go What are you doing do after that. this? Should we go after this? Let's go. Done. All Done. Right. Okay, <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> we have important things to do. I'm going to wash my hands and then we're going to go try on rings. Yeah, please do wash your hands first. We yeah. know where they've been. <laughs> I'm being very careful to like not touch a lot with this one hand. You know what's interesting? I Another TMI moment, I only finger myself with my left hand. I mean, we and all I'm have right-handed. Our I guess. 
And I'm right-handed, though. Oh, but why? Well, I think I was meant to be left-handed, but my oh, cunt of a right. mother trained me out of it. I'm so that's sorry. Right. I did nothing to call her a cunt. It's a joke. It was a joke. I really love her. She's really... It was a different time, guys. It was a different time. Yeah. She was doing what she thought was best for me. But okay, to wrap it up, um, don't know about wedding. Don't know about any of that. Yeah, I get like... I feel like two years is plenty of time, right? Two years is enough time for us to get engaged. It's not like we're going to have a long engagement. We can just like run to the courthouse or whatever Mm -hmm, and figure mm -hmm. out the rest. Um, But like, I don't, I just don't want to. Let's have a double wedding. Superman and Ozzy are like enough, <laughs> enough. You two are incorrigible. Yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> it's enough time for us to find homes in Brooklyn. I just say Brooklyn because it's like a little bit cheaper than Manhattan. Maybe. Yeah, I think. De- well, I depending think my on Manhattan where. Days are numbered. It's just getting more and more expensive. But. Yeah, and I mean, it really does depend on like where in Brooklyn and where yeah. in Manhattan oh, yeah, we're yeah, talking. Of course. But um, but like I just I could see us like getting like cute little like row houses in oh, Brooklyn, like on the that. same block. How fu- the other day on Instagram, I got this ad for like, I can't believe the oxymoron I'm about to say but the chicest inflatable pool you could imagine. Now, I understand. I understand. I understand that an inflatable pool is like quite literally the trashiest thing that has ever existed. I understand. Hold on. Let me find it. Yeah, I got to see this. It's chic. I'm telling you it is. I won't believe it until I see it. I was shocked. Um, but yeah, like it just, we could have so much fun and yeah. And like two years is enough time. Cause like, let's be real money. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. And I know everyone says that like, you'll never be fully ready and yada, yada. And I'm sure that's true. Look at this cunt. Did you just call an inflatable pool a cunt? A cunt yeah. Okay, good. At least you weren't referring to the child. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was definitely talking about the pool. Uh, I mean, like, it just, I, okay. Hold on. I don't, think, me, it's super, I don't think it's page. super chic uh, myself, but we, have, we, have, we do have different aesthetics. It's true. True, true, true. But yeah, let's, let's take another look from another angle. I'm trying to find the one that I got in the initial ad. Ah. Uh, I don't see it. Oh, I'll well. find if it another time. If you find it, send it to me. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, relative to like a normal inflatable pool. I mean, yeah, I guess comparably speaking, it's a little chicer, but it still looks just like an inflatable pool to me. What I really want, like if I had middle finger money, is um, a jacuzzi. Because I, I don't think like a pool is... Well, also, like, let's be real. We're in New York City. Where yeah. is the room? And, but, I do, and I just don't love pools in general. I don't know. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I I understand that. I'd like to have, like, a jacuzzi and a cold plunge tub. Ooh, yes. Because, like, that. a jacuzzi you can use a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you can use it through a lot more seasons. Yes. Okay, I think we've touched <laughs> on everything. I mean, this is, I could talk for like four days about my future dreams, but Love it. we have rings to try on, so we've got to go. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I need to finish charting my cycle. First and foremost, I need to wash my hands. So <laughs> we're going to leave you here, guys. Stella, this was It was insane. so fun. Let's do it again soon. It was too yeah. long of a break, I think. Too long <laughs> of a break and also like, 
I just can't believe you've been on this podcast like 45 times and we've never tapped into like this area, this very niche area that you have extreme expertise in. Oh, well, I'm flattered. <laughs> Thank you. You're so knowledgeable. I'm I'm well, so impressed. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm just, I'm super passionate about because it really, really changed my life. Yeah. And if, you know, even one person listening to this is like, wow, I never knew that that was even an option for me. And mm-hmm. I'm curious and I want to explore. And, you know, that that alone is worth it for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you know the drill, rate, review, subscribe. If you learned anything today, anything at all, this show comes to you for free every week. So if you could just, you know, share it with someone who you think would benefit from it, put it in your Instagram stories, put a little link, tag at Blush Pod so I can see that you did it. Um, if you could leave a five-star review, and I believe last episode I said something about starting some kind of giveaway, like an actual giveaway. I can't remember the parameters, but I believe what I said, I believe. <laughs> and if not, I guess we're just changing it, is leave a review screenshot it, email it to me at, uh, what is it? Theblushpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also put your Instagram handle in the review if you want. And at the end of the month, I will go through all of the reviews and randomly pick a winner who will get a membership to the Blush Academy. So you don't want to miss out. It's great. I actually did a um, guided meditation from the Blush Academy today and I was like, fuck, like this shit is good. Like, this shit is good. So, yeah, do all those things. Okay, bye. Love you guys. Bye. (laughs) See you soon.